With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to More Than Amused podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another week with More Than Amused. I'm Sadie. And I'm Stani. We're so happy to have you here and excited to talk about a new person today that Sadie has researched that we're ready to highlight. I'm so excited to learn more about whoever it is. I know. I'm really excited to talk about this person. Before we dive into the episode, we always do this at the end, but let's do it at the beginning that if you are a fan of the podcast, we would appreciate any support. If you want to give us a follow on our Instagram, it's just more than amuse dot podcast, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes. And um, if you want to leave us a review, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, share it with people who you think would love this episode or this podcast. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Yeah, that would be wonderful. And also we have a Patreon with bonus episodes that oh, go yeah. up every month and more just fun goodies for everyone um, to check out. So Join us on our Patreon, too, if you're looking for more content. Yes, our Patreon episodes are fun, too, because last month it was very much just a a rant. So (laughs) if you want to hear angry rants, there's a good place for them. (laughs) Okay, well, this week I'm excited for who I'm talking about. And I actually found this person because someone DM'd it to our More Than Amused podcast um, Instagram Shout out to Amanda Frisbee Johnson. I know her from UVU. She was in the music program with me for a period of time. And I love it. Like she'll always DM us little artists to check out. And they're all great. But this one, she sent me a post from a Instagram that's just feminist.herstory. And essentially they just highlight women from history and of course it spans all genres of Mm -hmm. life I guess not just women in the arts but so this person that we're covering today is named Nora Holt Mm. and you know especially with it being Black History Month definitely wanted to cover a unknown black woman artist and she has a really amazing story there's not a ton known about her of course as that tends to be the trend with these women artists is that they kind of get written out of history but yeah she has a very cool interesting life so I'm just gonna dive in really quick so Nora Holt was born November 8th 1844 or 1885 it's kind of up in the air when exactly she was born okay Um, but she was an American singer composer and music critic who was born in Kansas, and she was the first African-American to receive a master's degree in the United States. Wow. I know. First African-American and also with that first African-American woman to get a master's degree. That's awesome. Super amazing. Her life and like the prime of her life for a brief state of the arts is like right in with the Harlem Renaissance, which is like, you know, was really just an intellectual and cultural revival of the African-American music, dance, art, fashion, literature, everything just right in New York City. And that spanned from the 1920s and 1930s. And like I said, that kind of was like the prime of her career. She existed in that Harlem Renaissance New York scene. We really dive into the Harlem Renaissance in a previous episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to go check out Augusta Savage, that episode is great. And also, too, with it being Black History Month, we've covered a lot of really great artists. Um, we have Augusta Savage. We've talked about Eartha Kitt, Misty Copeland, and even the one that we just put out that yeah, you did. Yeah, Gail Anderson. Yeah. So if you want to binge some content, we have some great um, Black women that we have highlighted here on our podcast. 
And, you know, like I said, if you listen to that Augusta Savage, um, Stani gives a lot of context mm-hmm. to the Harlem Renaissance. So I didn't want to repeat it. <laughs> but if you want more, you can go back and listen to it. It's a great episode Definitely. and also a great story. Yeah, it's a really, really cool time period. So if you haven't yeah. heard of it, I would highly recommend going back and listening a little bit more about it. Definitely. Like basically like a culture explosion mm-hmm. that happened. So check it out. Okay, so I'm just going to dive into Nora's life here. So she was born as Lena Holt or Laura Holt. I don't know where this like just, you know, dispute comes from, but either Lena or Laura. Okay. Her mother actually encouraged her to start piano lessons at the age of four, which really started her love for music that eventually led to her playing organ in the church that their family went to in Kansas City. And I know that her father um, worked in the church. I think he was like a minister or something like that. Okay. Oh, actually it says here, her father Calvin was a presiding elder with the AME church and was on the board of trustees for Western University. Wow. Yeah. So, and apparently eventually he wrote the words for the school song, Oh Western You, for the dedication of Grant Hall in 1907. And this is kind of an interesting little story from her early life apparently Nora Holt wrote the music for this song but she destroyed the score in a dispute for authorship between her and her music professor and apparently he only helped a little bit with some of the harmonies but um yeah she ended up destroying it because I'm assuming he wanted more credit than she felt like he deserved oh my gosh I know there's not much else to that story but yeah. I thought that was super interesting. Good for her, though, for, like, destroying it instead of, like, letting him take more credit. I know. I think that's, like, super interesting because I feel like – I know personally I'd probably be the person that was like, well, it'd be better, you know, for people to hear it or for it to, you know, live on than not at all. But I feel like it's really admirable for her to be like, nope, I'm not going to let this go out there mm-hmm. if it's not representative of who actually did what. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so – She ended up going to Western University and she graduated actually as valedictorian in 1917 with a bachelor's degree in music. And then in 1918, she earned a master's degree in music at Chicago Musical College. And that led her, of course, to becoming the first African-American person to earn a master's degree in music composition in the United States. So truthfully, I'm not sure if it's the first person to get a master's degree at all or the first person to get a master's degree in music in oh, the United okay. States. Some articles would just say straight up first person to get master's degree and you know but this one specified that it was the first to get a master's degree in music composition. So I'm not entirely sure but both are very very cool. Yeah it might be both. That would be cool. Yeah it might be both <laughs> actually. So okay so at this Chicago Musical College her thesis composition was an orchestral work called Rhapsody on Negro Themes, and that was one of 200 works that she composed during her time there. Holy cow. A significant composer, like 200 works of art. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So you went to music school. Yes. How many works do you think you composed over the course of four years? Not 200. (laughs) Well, now I'm trying to think because a lot of the times my big compositions would be like at the end of a semester big project. Uh And a lot of them aren't very good where I wouldn't show them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I know what you mean. I have like a couple songs fully produced that I'm like, I'm proud of it. And then I have one jazz orchestra that I like piece, full orchestra piece that I compose that I'm very proud of. And there's like three or four four things from my whole four years there that I'm like yes I yeah. am super super proud of this oh still. my gosh <laughs> I can't even imagine because as like an art student I did a lot of like crappy sketches and stuff for like assignments yes. so I probably have hit like 200 mark on like assignments but they're not works of art <laughs> true so. and as far as like I'm like writing songs I bet I've started 200 songs yeah but I definitely don't have 200 completed songs. Yeah, but to have 200 completed compositions, yeah. that sounds absolutely insane to me. Like the amount insane. of effort and time that goes into that, I can't even imagine. I know. That's I crazy. mean, she also got a master's degree. So maybe, who knows, maybe master's degree, it makes you yeah. crank them out. <laughs> you have like a a superpowers all of a sudden. You just I know. <laughs> you got, you're going to grad school and suddenly you can do so much more. <laughs> 
So yeah, 200 works she composed there. And another fun, I guess, interesting thing about her life. So she was married five times throughout her life. At the age of 15, she married a musician called Sky James. And then two years later, she married a politician, Philip Scroggin, followed not long afterwards by a marriage to a barber named Bruce Jones. Hmm. And then in 1916, she married her fourth husband, who was a hotel owner, George Holt. And that's when she took his last name and she changed her first name to Nora. Okay. They had quite the diverse career tracks there. I know, like (laughs) musician, politician, barber, and then rich hotel owner. That's crazy. Did it say why the marriages ended at all or? Not, no. Like, I don't know exactly what happened. You'll, we'll know what happened with her. I'll talk about what happened with her husband, George, the hotel owner, like later but nope it doesn't really give much details it just says that she got divorced and married somebody else huh that's interesting like i said there's not tons and like detailed information out there on her Mm -hmm. but super intriguing yeah that's really interesting so from 1917 to 1921 is kind of when she started doing music criticism and she contributed to the chicago defender which was a black daily newspaper and she And also during that time, she published and edited a journal that was called Music and Poetry for a period in 1921. And then in that magazine, Nora Douglas Holt contributed an essay um, that was called The Chronological History of the NANM that placed her in history as the co-founder of the two most important organizations of black classical musicians in America, the Chicago Music Association and the National Association of Negro Musicians, which wow. is what the NANM stands oh, for. Okay. So just super like, you know, obviously she was super involved just in the community yeah. and she took a lot of pride in her culture. And very accomplished. Um, and very accomplished. Yeah. And I think it's cool that she worked to elevate, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? The things that where she came from and what she was proud of, I guess. So at, and then around during this time, too, she spent 12 years abroad in, in Europe and in Asia where she would sing at nightclubs and just private parties, which there's just not a lot of information about. But I'm just like, OK, so she got tons of, um, you know, obviously made good money and I'm sure had a great time abroad in Europe and Asia yeah. for 12 years. Oh, yeah. OK. And then as for those 200 works that she had so it says by 1926 when she left for europe she had composed you know those 200 works of orchestral music and chamber songs and she put all of those in a storage before departure so she you know stored them away Mm -hmm. but when she came back from europe she discovered that all of her works had been stolen no yeah they had (laughs) all been stolen and only one piece survived because it had already been published and it was called Negro Dance, which was kind of like a ragtime solo piano piece. So 199 of her compositions were stolen. Oh my gosh. So who knows if they ever were published or if they ever were published under a different name huh. I or if they whoever had them got rid of them. I have no idea. That's but so interesting. I think that probably contributes to why we don't know much about her well, or her work is because obviously it couldn't live on. Yeah, that's 200 songs that never showed up. Well, I guess 199 that never showed up. <laughs> but still, mm-hmm. like, insane. And I don't, like, and like I said, it's so, I'm so mad that there's just, like, not a lot of information because yeah. it's, like, no idea who did it. No, I just, no that's idea. so awful. I wonder, like, I would bet that they probably did get published but maybe waited until that's later what I or think something. Too. But they've got to be there somewhere. I know. So I'm like, is there like some famous American classic song that actually was pre- composed by Nora Holt that we just don't know? Hmm, conspiracy I'm theories in the art world. I know. <laughs> that's why I'm like, I feel like this is such a conspiracy, yeah. but there's probably just like no way to even prove. No, you know, definitely which songs could have been hers, especially if they waited until after her death or something in order to yeah. have it come forward. Then there would be no one really to. I know that's so sad. And like, was it intentional? Like, did they break in because they knew her compositions were there and like they had an agenda or was it almost like a random robbery that they mm-hmm. just took everything and that included her music works and then they ended up just destroying them? That's Who so knows? crazy. Oh my gosh. I wish we had more details. I know. Me too. 
But, and the sad thing is too, is after this, she didn't really go back to composing after that. After that, she kind of just focused on the music criticism and yeah. And after that, and she didn't really ever attempt to recreate those lost works, which is sad, but I also feel like 200 (laughs) songs is so many. That's a lot. I'm sure she was probably like, you know. I'm good. I don't need to do that. That's literally so much music that, like, you couldn't recreate all of them. No. And it would be almost depressing to try and move on as if they never existed. Like, I totally understand. That would be so disheartening and, like, depressing to, like, have all of your life's work pretty much, like, snatched. I know. Well, I even, like... I remember because I, I hold on to all of my old like songwriting journals, mm-hmm. right? And there was a period of time where I thought I had lost my journal from high school that had all of my high school songs in it. And like, I don't, I would not sing those now. Like they were so dramatic and just not <laughs> refined in any way. But, you know, I just, I was devastated. Mm-hmm. Like I was looking everywhere for it because I wanted I just wanted the records of that and I was so sad so I'm sure if like those were works that she even was proud of to have lost all that like that would be devastating yeah definitely but so kind of an interesting thing about her like the last person I talked about Tamara Lempika you know she was kind of known for her outrageous party lifestyle or whatever but so was Nora so during the 1920s she was known as a wild socialite And she was really wealthy because her husband, George Holt, actually ended up dying and passing away. She inherited a huge inheritance from him. Mm -hmm. And so she was basically living off of his inheritance. And there's a funny little quote here that says she was a free spirited, a free spirit with a string of sensational divorces known for singing her signature song. My daddy rocks me with one steady roll and sometimes dancing in the nude at all of the parties she would go to. <laughs> wow. I know. So, and it takes place in like the same time that Tamara Delampico was mm-hmm. like the late 1920s, you know, where art deco and just everything was very glamorous and all of that. So in 1923, she ended up marrying Joseph Ray, who was an assistant to Charles Schwab, actually. And then that was her fifth marriage. Okay. And then there's a little bit more information about this marriage. Okay, so here's a little quote I had for an article. So it says, in spite of all of her successes through Harlem in the 1920s, she was known as a wildly socialite who lived high on her inherited fortune. She married her many marriages. Holt was named in Ebony... she was named in Ebony Magazine's 1949 Most Married Negroes. And she was often the subject of gossip, even among her friends. Um, and then Carl Van Vechten? Vechten? I don't know exactly who that is, but he was a prominent author in that same period. Um, he's quoted saying, her trail is a strewn with bones. So just, she was... The, what is it? People just love to gossip about her, I guess. Yeah. She was the hot commodity of, you know, people talking about her. And then when she married Joseph Ray in 1923, um, the society papers described in detail Holt's diamond earrings, which were six carats in each ear, and her pearl beaded dress. And then another thing, too, that was even more interesting, I guess, in those papers was the fact that Holt appeared to at the wedding with a black eye rumored to be the result of a fight with her lover gordon jackson what i know (laughs) she showed up to a wedding with a black eye from her lover lover yes wow so and also like six carat diamond earrings like and a pearl beaded dress like okay yeah man glamour (laughs) but holt and ray only remained married for 19 months and their separation kind of generated even more gossip And there were charges of fraud, accusations of adultery, and a number of suits and countersuits that kind of like kept the press like very intrigued. And apparently she was very savvy about the fact that like her prominence in the press might enhance her opportunities. So very much like the bad, like there's no such thing as bad press, Mm -hmm. you know, like anything will help. And then apparently on one of her legal 
situations. She wrote to that one author, Van Vechten, the whole thing is a flimsy suit, no way, and I can beat it hands down, but did not want the annoyance. However, the publicity should be of value. <laughs> so just a super interesting character that I'm like so mad there's not more stories about because I'm like, I feel like that could be so interesting. Like, oh, yeah. There's so much. That's crazy. And I just imagine some just like, because I don't obviously have much experience with the socialite upper wealthy of New York City, but <laughs> it makes me think of like Gossip Girl. Yeah. You know, how like how tight knit everything was there and like all the gossip and she was just the the star of it. And also apparently like she would always like bleach her hair. So she was just like known for her bleach blonde hair and her her lovers I guess (laughs) that's so crazy it's weird to me to hear about these people and how much they were even like talked about and then we don't have that many records of them it's like they were written about in the tabloids like apparently people cared and then yeah we don't have a lot of records it's just so strange (laughs) I know no that's a good point of it's just like how did this person like almost get forgotten in history and yet at the time they were everyone famous. wanted to know yeah. what was going on. They, they were talking. Yeah, it was like a celebrity couple who broke yeah, up. Yeah, like talking all about her and her past marriages and everything else. And it's so weird. It's kind of like it makes me this is a little off topic, but it makes me wonder if like that's going to happen in the future as well. If we're going to look yeah. back and like there will be people that kind of get forgotten, even though they're mm-hmm. like talked about constantly now. <laughs> or if that was just kind of a thing with the past because of like certain circumstances like most of the people we talk about are women or like people of color um and so if that's kind of what causes them to be forgotten i also wonder along with that like if the internet will change anything yeah because it's like now (laughs) everyone has like their own public journal that Mm -hmm. will survive right yeah like i have my life highlighted on instagram people will write novels on blogs or facebook posts so i wonder That's if it's true that will like live on yeah more i mean it creates a digital record at least of everything like even if we which is kind of creepy like you know it's yeah, crazy it's creepy. but i mean like it's weird to think about that one day we could be like highlighting an artist and we'd be looking through like her old tweets in order to like yeah no but yeah (laughs) like that's kind of a cool but like weird thing about the internet for sure yeah I mean we can do that now it's kind of like with stalking true ex-boyfriends right (laughs) I saw this super funny tweet "Hmm." of like of something like when you hand your boyfriend your phone and he opens up safari to find his ex-girlfriend's high school volleyball stats and it made me laugh (laughs) (laughs) that's funny because you can find anything on the internet and i've been guilty of stalking my boyfriend's ex-girlfriends to see everything that i can find about them (laughs) that's hilarious yeah but no i wonder that too i'm like eventually is it gonna be like we'll be discussing their tweets and their yeah i mean probably with the episode we talked about at the beginning of this that we have coming up i'm sure it will be a lot of social media dissection (laughs) oh yeah because we want to talk about britney spears soon Mm mm-hmm and that and apparently is a lot. Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just going to say there's so much on her social media, apparently, that we'll I'll talk about a little bit. So I know we both watched the Framing Britney documentary or yes. yeah, documentary episode on Hulu. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't watched it, everyone watch should go watch it. it. And then the next month we are doing a Britney Spears yes, episode. Definitely. It's by the New York Times, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. So it took me a minute to find it because the title is New York Times and not. Yes, it took me a second too. (laughs) Yeah, but But yeah, it's on Hulu. Super good. Go watch it. So yeah, we'll have to, I guess we'll be going through tweets and stuff for that one pretty soon. So will be a thing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally. Very strange world we live in. I know. We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. Okay, so for our Instagram spotlight today, today wow i can't talk um my mom is actually a landscape designer and you can follow her page at our nesting space but she wanted me to talk about this company in utah right now it's called the house that she built and it's basically an entire team of women that are building a house together 
to talk about the stories of women in construction and tradesmen and everything. So literally everything that's being done in this house, it's being done by women, which if you know anything about the construction world, pretty insane that they're even able to find people who are yeah. are able to do every part of this. And um, But it's like draftsmen, plumbing, concrete, everything. And they've even had to reach out to people outside of the state to try and get them to come in for a whole team of women. But literally an entire team of women are building a house together. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And they plan to do it in the future as well. So their Instagram's really cool. They highlight different parts of the building process of the house. They talk about the different staff. Um, So like the team that did excavation. And they talk about like this um, woman who helped with um, the equipment and digging out the foundation. So like literally every single person that's helping on this house is getting spotlighted, which is really cool. Wow. That is such a cool idea. Yes. And also my mom's page is really awesome as well. She does um, landscape design and everything um, for people's yards and it's very artistic and beautiful. So if you're interested in that, you can follow along with her too. Well, I'm also going to shout out my mom. Her Instagram, you can find her art Instagram. It's Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E dot has dot a dot hobby. (laughs) And so my mom actually has only been like diving into art for the last couple of years. Hasn't been that long at all. Um, But she's recently just picked up art and sketching. And it's kind of fun just to like go upstairs now because I currently live with my parents and just to see her constantly working on things. And she just kind of plays like she likes to, you know, she's experimented with pencil sketchings and watercoloring, but now she's really trying to get into like digital work, but now also like giant canvases with like acrylic paints that she'll just play with and then just hang up in our house. So mm-hmm. I think it's super cool. And it's like I said, it's fun to see my mom doing something because obviously I grew up with her and never knew this was something she wanted to do but now she's doing it and I'm proud of my mom so if you want to check out my mom on her art journey it's just Carrie has a hobby and she'll just post all of her little works in progress and it's cool too because it's it's been fun for me to like see her get better the more she does it and it's yeah it's really cool she's really good at people like really really good at people I follow your mom on my personal Instagram and like her personal Instagram as well and when she first started I was like this is so fun like Uh how cool and it's cool too because I just like you can go back to her very first sketch in 2018 and then if you scroll up you can just see her slowly start to get better Mm -hmm. and better and it's just cool that's awesome and yeah if anyone has people to send in please do we're always excited to get more people to highlight all right now back to the show so continuing though with nora so like i said they were only married for 19 months and then apparently i'm assuming she changed her name to ray when they got married but she ended up changing it back to holt so she stayed you know nora holt Mm -hmm. and then of course you know like i mentioned during these 20s and during this time she moved to harlem she came a big part of this harlem renaissance movement um and became good friends with the novelist and critic carl van vechten who was a very prominent author um wrote like controversial books that you know were very controversial and all that Mm -hmm. Okay, so then her later life, so she ended up moving to California and she went back to study music again at the University of Southern California in the 1930s. Um, But she also taught music in public schools in the Los Angeles area for several years. Wow. So I I think it's kind of cool that she obviously was a lifelong learner. You know, obviously she's already has a master's degree in Chicago, but then now, you know, decades later, she was back at the University of Southern California just learning more. And also when she was in California, too, she apparently ran and opened a beauty shop. Um, and there's also a quote from that Carl, you know, author and he him saying to someone else that she was going to turn everyone's hair bleach blonde. So I thought that was funny. <laughs> that is funny. OK. And then 1943, she took a position as an editor and a music critic um, with a black publication, Amsterdam News. 
Um, and then in 1945, she began the annual American Negro Artist Festival on the radio station WNYC. And from 1953 to 1964, she was the producer and musical director of a weekly program, Nora Holt's Concert Showcase, on Harlem WLIB radio station. Wow. So <clears throat> I think it's just like super cool that like throughout her life, she's just finding different ways to just like champion the art she like obviously like supports mm-hmm. and like wants to be put out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And then in 1966, this is cool that she was, so she became a member of the first world festival of Negro arts in Senegal. And so that's cool. And then she's among many of the, and among many of the honors she received during her lifetime. Um, one of the most prestigious was her election to the music critic circle of New York city. And I believe she was the first African-American woman to be awarded um, to be put in that as the music critic circle of New York, wow. which is super cool. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we don't like I said, we don't have tons much about her life, but she ended up dying in 1974 in L.A. at the age of 89. So she lived a very long, very accomplished life. And like, I, I think it's kind of interesting. I know we've talked about it before, but it's like so interesting how many people there are who accomplish so much and like push so much forward for their art field. And yet and also too had very dynamic personalities that like brought them to fame and popularity and like to be well respected in their time alive but then how quickly they get forgotten after they die yeah definitely it's insane it continues to blow my mind every time because literally I think every single person we've talked about their life could be made and to a movie (laughs) yeah really (laughs) and it's weird that there aren't more films and stuff about a lot of these different situations and scenarios and people and and how quickly like things are forgotten it's just very weird i agree that's what i was thinking too i'm like i feel like she could be a movie of like starting in kansas becoming the first african-american to get a master's degree in chicago moving to new york touring europe and asia for 12 years Mm -hmm. having her life's work stolen and then still and then becoming a very prominent socialist in like, you know, the New York social. Yeah. Scene. And then like going on to teach and like help found foundations and like continue mm-hmm. the career and diversity of music. Like that is quite an accomplished life to not like yeah. have a lot of records or regard for her now. It's very interesting and sad that. Yeah, like there's obviously a lot of articles about the her that I was able to reference, but a lot of them just kind of repeated the same information, you know, of like just the basic things she accomplished. So I wish that there was more of a window to her herself, mm-hmm. you know, like more quotes, more, you know, things with her writing. But I mean, I think it's really cool that even from when she was young and got in a not a fight, but, you know, gotten into something with her university professor where she didn't want him taking more credit than she felt he deserved, mm-hmm. you know, that it's cool that obviously that that I feel like characterizes maybe who she was as a human. Yeah, if that makes sense. definitely. It shows like the strength that she had and the admiration she had and respect she had for her own work, which yeah, I think is a very important thing. I feel like that's almost like sometimes the hardest part about being an artist is like getting to the point where you're taking your own work seriously and being like, no, I deserve like I deserve credit. For yeah, all of this. especially like <laughs> a professor's job isn't necessarily to be there to get credit. <laughs> it's yeah. to like help guide their student and for her to be able to recognize that and be like, nope, like this is yeah. my work, um, especially when he's like in a position of power, essentially like that's a really amazing thing to be able to stand up for yourself in such a vulnerable situation. Totally. And you want to know what that actually reminded me a story. So I'm going to tell a personal story here of something that was very similar to that because, so like I mentioned, I did a jazz orchestra arrangement slash composition. And that was probably like my magnum opus of my time at UVU. Like that I put so much work into it, took a whole semester for reference like what that is, is I pretty much wrote music for four, three or four trumpets, trombones, a whole five sax section, right? 
drums, bass, piano. Like I wrote the full chart, wrote the melodies and wrote all the parts that the instruments would play. And I did it with my professor. And like, truth be told, like I could not have done it without that professor, Mm -hmm. right? Like I am fully aware of what he helps me with. But at the end of the day, like it was my composition. It was my melody that I came up with. And even though he was like, oh, you should consider changing that note or you should consider changing that rhythm, it will be better. It was my it was my work of art. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that professor. And he actually even encouraged me to like submit it to some like woman in jazz competition. And I did, didn't, nothing came from it, but that was okay. Like it was my very first one. But the fa- just the very fact that he told me I should submit it for it was obviously very, what's the word? Validating, mm-hmm. right? But this is where an annoyance happened. So the end of the semester was we got to record our pieces so the jazz orchestra at our school we went in a couple times and did rehearsals with them where they could practice and we could make any edits to it but then for our final for that class was we got to do like we get a we got to hear a recording session of our composition which was really amazing but so we're standing out there in the booth so for reference how the school was and how the recording equipment was is the jazz orchestra was downstairs in one room and we were upstairs in the recording booth and kind of like using you know a camera to communicate with each other and um we were listening to the composition and the other one of my other professors who was more over the commercial and recording thing he was like wow Sadie like this is really good like you guys did a you did a great job and I was like yeah thank you like I'm really proud of this and then he's like oh but you must have gotten a lot of help from Alex huh who is the name of my professor and I was like (laughs) Well, yeah, like, of course I got a lot of help from him, but like, it's mine. And I was so annoyed by it. But then there was like two other people who had these big compositions that they got done. Right. And they both just so happened to be men. And he was gushing to them about how good it was. And I didn't hear any disclaimers of, oh, he must have helped you with that. Oh, my gosh. And you know what? I don't know if he did that intentionally. I don't know if he maybe thought that about them, too. But, oh, I was I was ruffled. My, I was so mad. And I should have maybe stuck up for myself in the moment. Because in the moment, I was like, yeah, like, he really did help me a lot. I learned a lot from him, which was true. Mm-hmm. But it was my composition. Yeah, well, that's kind of the role of a teacher professor, isn't it? Like, there yeah. to guide and mm-hmm. give feedback. But at the end of the day, like, it was yours. <laughs> Yeah. And that's kind of an annoying thing for another professor to say and comment on be like, oh, but you had that teacher's help. It's like, well, duh, isn't that the point of school? <laughs> like, sir, I am a student yeah. here. I, <laughs> yes. And I don't know if maybe it was because like, you know, all the other people who had their presentations, they were the jazz musicians, you know, and so they had, had done it before. So maybe they, you know, probably didn't need as much help from the professor as I did because I needed a lot of help. I'm a pop songwriter, mm-hmm. but I really love jazz arranging and I think it's a really cool thing to do so I did need his help because I don't write music for instruments so I don't know if maybe he was like shocked that I was doing something so out of my normal element that it was going so well I don't know it's still kind of a weird comment to make I was a little annoyed by it like I said I don't know if there's really more to it or not but yeah but it still bothered me a lot (laughs) and Rightfully and so. if anything, it makes me appreciate Nora because I'm like, good for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like a weekly reminder to stand up for yourself. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Like it's not like proofreaders of books or like whatever get credit. Credit. Yeah. They don't. And I had other professors who, another professor who I did like a pop production with him and he was like, you know, he provided lots of feedback, but at the end of the day, he was like, yeah, this is your song. You should pitch it to people. You should do things with it. And at first, I think I said something of like, oh, but like you helped. And he's like, no, it's not my song. And yeah. I was like, yeah, you're right. It's not your song. You mm-hmm. just help provide a little bit of, you know, insight for where it should go next. And I was like, thank you. I appreciate that. I do not need the disclaimer or no yeah it's the point of school and I don't think anyone would ever look at a student project and assume that you did it all on your own without any feedback but at the end of the day like no it's the student's project yeah but no work of art really is ever created without a lot of feedback and a lot of collaboration (laughs) yeah so that's kind of just how the world that we live in works it doesn't change the fact that like oh a suggestion from your little brother doesn't mean you need to credit 
him yeah. on something or if someone says oh you should change the color of this you don't have to like write down every single suggestion that everyone suggestion. makes yeah so I mean yeah. obviously you need to give credit to where credit is due yes. and if, you know if I do write a song with someone I will give them credit mm-hmm. but yeah I don't really feel like I need to I don't know especially like you said if, it, if it's a mentorship situation I don't it's yeah super different unless he was actually sitting down and collaborating with you on the actual writing of the whole yes. entire piece then I don't think it exactly credited <laughs> yeah I thank you yeah. I agree <laughs> <laughs> I mean there was a lot of like hey you should go write that again and I'd be like okay <laughs> yeah but that's different than actually like helping you doing write it, for it. Me. yeah or doing yeah. it for you I- I ended up, though, naming the piece Daisy because I wanted it to be as feminine as possible because I was super insecure about the fact that, like, in all of my jazz arranging classes, I was definitely the only woman taking the class, taking it. And when I took the the piece into the jazz orchestra to play for the first time, it was, a, it's you know, it's a very basic, it's nothing experimental or fancy. And so I, I had to stop myself from being like, oh, this is just my cute little song because I was like, no. It's not a cute little song. Yeah. I worked so hard on this. <laughs> Definitely. No, that's an ongoing struggle. I think that everyone has, but probably significantly more women just from the way that we're yeah. taught and expected to be from a Like almost like age. discrediting your work before. Yeah. I was like, it's like the thing where it's like you say the things that, about yourself that you're worried about people saying to you so that they can't say it first. Yeah. You know? It's like, oh, I'll be mean to myself first <laughs> or I'll, I'll put down my work first so that if anyone's thinking anything, mm-hmm. they know that I know it too. Yeah. I, I'm very guilty of doing that, we were, but we're working on it. it. This reminds me of work yesterday. We were doing like an introductory thing, like an elevator pitch of yourself, kind of like talking about your uh-huh. resume and a bunch of other stuff before like moving into like a job interview, you know, like practicing that sort of thing. And <laughs> and everyone wanted to like be like, OK, but this is just really rough. Like I re- I just wrote it really briefly or, oh, well, I kind of took this angle. And our boss just kept saying like, no, no disclaimers, like no, mm-hmm. like it just go into it, like stop trying to like soften the blow or like, yeah, you know, and I think that that's a good way to look at life be like, stop trying to like soften everything that you do. Just like go in mm-hmm. full force, be like, this is what I did and I'm proud of it. And you don't have to like say, oh, but I didn't have enough time or blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. No, just like that's what you did. Own like it. just present it. It, yeah. yeah, it doesn't have to be this whole like explanation beforehand about everything. That's definitely cliche, even like open mic nights where someone will stand up and be like, I just wrote this and I don't know. Or they'll apologize about their performance before they even give a performance. And Mm -hmm. it's like, don't apologize. Because you're setting up this expectation that it's not going to be as good or you're like trying or it kind of comes across sometimes as like you want people to be more impressed. So you're going to yeah. make like put downplay yourself so that when you perform, then it like it's cooler. So it's like, wow, that was you and you were sick or yeah. something like that. <laughs> so it's just like it doesn't need to have all of that. Like it's OK. Mm-hmm. I think the only time that it should be allowed is once I went in for a theater audition and I had literally lost my voice. <laughs> so my vocal <laughs> range went from like a mezzo soprano to like maybe a tenor because I was so sick I like could not reach any of the high notes that is probably when a disclaimer is okay (laughs) (laughs) that's true that happened to me too my very first first semester ever we do like a jury at the end of each semester where you basically go sing to all the voice faculty and they grade you Mm -hmm. and I walked in I hadn't I have not even since been that sick in my life like I lost my voice completely and I walk in and I croak and I'm like I will do my best (laughs) and I sang it out and usually they make you sing two songs but my teacher was there and was like can we please just let her sing one and they were like yes let her go and I did give a disclaimer there that my voice was gone so unless you are like on your deathbed with illness and your throat has literally given out completely then I don't think no disclaimers needed yeah just be proud of what you did whatever state it's in and just let it go own it yeah I feel like people like I love it when people do that you Mm -hmm. know like I feel like being proud of yourself and like it's contagious exactly you know and I feel like people can get that feel if they're like oh they're happy about this they're proud of this like that makes me want to pay attention Mm -hmm. and I mean obviously some people are just jerks but like I don't know I'm I'm very attracted to people who are 
excited about what they're doing even if it's something I don't get you know mm-hmm. they're passionate about it and I'm like yes that's great I want to hear all about it yeah definitely I think that's one of the reasons why I was so drawn to you as a friend even in high school was because like both of us were going into art industries, even though traditionally mm-hmm. people are always like, there's no money in the arts and <laughs> <laughs> and like all sorts of stuff. And we were both so passionate about it and knew exactly what we wanted to do. And uh-huh. it was nice to be able to talk to someone who understood the same level of passion that I had for my thing, even though it wasn't the same thing. So thing. totally. Yeah, I yeah. totally right understand. Right back at you, friend. Yeah. <laughs> So be passionate. You'll find like-minded people and it will be great. (laughs) Exactly. Well, a bit of a tangent. I wish we had more of her life to talk about, but I didn't want to stop me from sharing her story because I feel like, like what a cool person that it's like, we've talked about it. And I think we say it now almost every episode, like every new person we talk to, it's like a list is added of like people I want to talk to in heaven, you know, of like in Mm -hmm. the afterlife. I just need to go find her and be like, Hey, I know you have cool stories. Like, just tell me. (laughs) Let's hear them. No, definitely. It is. It's tragic. And that's part of the reason why we have this podcast is because these people deserve what little voice we can give them, even if there's not Mm -hmm. a lot to find about her. Like, even that story about her and her professor and, like, the confidence she had in her work spurred, like, a whole conversation with us about, Mm -hmm. like, how you can be more confident in what you produce and, like, crediting people or, like, not giving in to opposition like those are wonderful lessons to learn and even if we don't know that much about her like it's cool that we're even able to learn just a little bit more and also you know like I said shout out to the friend of mine who sent her over so if anyone who's listening if you ever stumble upon an artist that you'd love for us to feature Mm -hmm. definitely send it over I'd love to you know I love learning about more people and it's cool definitely it's just it's crazy to me how much how deep it can go of like how many people (sighs) had lived amazing lives that we just you know I have no idea about like you think that it's like oh all the really cool people interesting people I know about you know and they're Mm -hmm. well known but some of the most interesting stories I've ever heard are people that I only heard about because I was doing research for this podcast yeah seriously and there's just so many more to come like I don't even think we're ever Mm -hmm. gonna run out of stories as long as we can keep finding these little glimpses into people's lives we're gonna keep having things to talk about so yeah that's pretty cool (laughs) well I think that's all I have for today but is there anything else we need to talk about on our episode today I don't think so just take some time this month and learn more about black history it's American history it's a part of our culture and our society and it's important I know a lot of um things doing like a lot of I think Spotify has a playlist um Mm -hmm. I know Target had like a whole book section of like um stories by black authors um I know a lot of documentaries are coming out or tv shows so just take some time um yeah research into it obviously this is an arts podcast so we're going to talk about the artists but there's Mm -hmm. plenty of people in every industry that were black that contributed to um the world we have today so totally yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy now, too, you know? Yeah. Like you can even go on to Netflix or Hulu, and there's a whole section that's, like, black stories. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even have to try. You can literally just turn on your TV and watch something to entertain you. Yes. Oh, this reminded me. <laughs> this is a tangent, but I logged on to Spotify the other day, uh-huh. and they had a whole, like, classic composer section. Yeah, okay. And they had a playlist for a bunch of composers. I took a video, like, screenshot because I was like, are you kidding? So it's called The Great Composers, and it had Rossini, Schubert, um, hold on if it will play, Liszt, Mendelssohn, Beethoven, Schumann, the husband, Verdi, Shatovkovich. Uh, I probably said that I wish wrong. I could see it. Shot. Tchaikovsky, maybe? I don't know. Strauss, okay. Drag, Brahms, Vivaldi, Wa- Wagner, Chopin. Like, all of these guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a single female in sight. And I was like, are you kidding? They didn't have a single female composer on their playlist. Yeah. That's pretty common, especially in the classical music world. I know, but I was like, there are go. more that they didn't right they didn't do it <laughs> yeah i mean they exist they're there 
And even if they could but, have just put like, oh, we only have a few songs from these people, so we'll like put them all in one and be like, I don't know, that would have been better than like literally nothing. I was like, gosh, are you kidding me right now? So anyway, I have that little video I can post on our Instagram if you want to be a little bit you should mad with me for a while. <laughs> it's just like, seriously, it's all white men. A lot of them have powdered wigs. It's like, cool, 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 cool. That's where we're at. That's a frustration with classical music. There's no... Which, I mean, we talked about it a little bit with Clara Schumann. I don't think, have I done another classical musician yet? I don't think so. We did Maria Anna Mozart, but we don't have any of her work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did Maria Anna Mozart. I understand they can't create a playlist for her. Like, I'm not asking for that, because if you don't have any music by her, then duh. But it sucks (laughs) that we we don't even have that option. Yeah. But But it just shows, it's like, there were music, women in classical music, but there was just so many outside things that stopped them from. Yeah being as successful as their male but counterparts. I know we haven't talked about her on the podcast, but we talked about Fanny Mendelssohn. Doesn't she have enough music they could have made a playlist for her? Let me see. I bet there is a there is a woman in classical music playlist on Spotify because I follow it. Okay. So let's see who's featured on that one. I mean, if you Google classical female composers, quite an extensive list comes up. So yeah. I just think Spotify could have done a little bit better on that one. They could have tried. Woman of classical. Let's see. I mean, yeah, there's a whole, there's seven hours of music on here. So they, they could have done. I'm sure so. one of them could have made it on to the great, original. The great composers. Anyway, so glad they have like things highlighting black history. But just a reminder that as good as it gets, it can always get a little bit better, right? <laughs> as good as it gets, it can always get better. <laughs> Might have to have you do another one soon because I know that will be cool. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening mm-hmm. today. Hope you enjoyed that episode about Nora Holt. Encourage you to go learn more about her. Um, Maybe, like I said, follow that Instagram. It's just feminist.herstory. Mm-hmm. They feature women from history that have been forgotten, not just women in the arts, but obviously still obviously we support that so go check it out literally any industry go and learn about more people that contributed to our world well we will talk to you next week and yeah have a good week have a great one and we'll see you again soon bye everyone Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.